Greetings, everybody, and welcome to the Up Level Your Career with Judson and Jerome podcast. I'm Jerome, and I'm happy to welcome you today to our uh, conversation about interviewing. As you know, if you've listened to previous podcasts, Judson and I record this podcast from our homes, and so you're likely to hear a little bit of background uh, sound from time to time. You might hear the the noises of our our neighborhoods or just household uh, um, sounds. And, um, you know, it's sort of a low-tech podcast right now, but uh, hopefully the the information and uh, the insights we're offering are of value to you. Um, in, in fact, I would just mention at the front end of the podcast that if you ever have questions or are interested in giving us feedback or suggestions for future podcasts, please reach out to us via email. Our email is uplevelcareers at gmail.com. Um, very shortly, you'll be able to find us on Facebook as well with the same um, Up Level Your Career um, will be the name of our Facebook page. We're in the process of building that. So um, as I mentioned, I'm Jerome Emhoff. I'm a career coach, and I've been a career coach and resume writer since 2009. Um, I currently live in Palm Springs, but I work with people from all over the country. And um, I'm really happy to be sharing this podcast with Judson. So Judson, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Jerome, thank you so much. Good afternoon, everybody. Good morning, wherever you happen to be. We're so happy that you're with us today here. Very difficult time uh, during the COVID, uh, but interviews are still happening, and this is what we are addressing today. Last week, as you may recall, we talked about how to prepare for virtual interviews, and today's topic shifts a bit to in-person interviews. Now, that might not be as common as it once was, and as we will talk about as we go through our outline today, many of the principles that we talk about here will apply regardless of in-person or virtual. And we'll do our best to distinguish those, but we do have a lot to cover here today. We were just talking about that, how uh, our agenda uh, is rather um, long, but there's some really good topics here that we're going to cover as it relates to interviewing and interviewing well. We know that's a key. So we will dive right into this here. We try to limit our podcast to an hour at the most. So we will do the same today. And if we get down into our agenda and we realize that we're running out of time and we still have a lot of content to cover, then we'll extend next our next podcast to include part two of acing the job interview. So with that said, let's dive right into this, Jerome, here. In terms of, of, well, kind of, uh, I figure we could take a sequential approach to to this in terms of what do you do before the interview, what do you do during the interview, and the follow-up, and and all that goes along with each of those categories. So let's talk about the in-person interviews here. Again, we're going to assume that this is going to be an in-person and you will be going to an office of some sort. Um, I know that we have in our agenda to, you know, there's some things that we're going to want to do, like arrive early. Um, But I would also, I would perhaps from a sequential perspective, start even before that and, and talk about what information do you want or need to be prepared for this interview including what's happening with the company, what's happening in the industry, what's trending, who are the 
who are the leaders within the industry, what type of information would be helpful. Also is are people, who are you going to be interviewing with? Understanding who those people are and getting some background on those people, whether it be LinkedIn or otherwise. But I think information is, is one of your best friends here as it relates to an interview. So do you want to absolutely. expand on that? Yeah, Andrew? absolutely. Yeah, so um, researching the company is critical. And with my clients, as, as I'm coaching them to go on interviews, I tell them to make sure they visit the company's website. I know that goes without saying, but look at the website and read every page. Read every page so you know what their mission is, so you know who their, what their products and services are, if, if that's important, um, so that you know who their people are. You know? um, what, if, what if in the interview they ask you um, who their uh, CEO is? Do you know anything about the CEO of this company? You want to have done your homework, right? So read every page. And then I would say Google the company and see what else you can find. You know, find out if they have they been featured in in the the Business Times, um, have they been featured on Forbes or any of the other uh, you know other uh, websites. Find out more. So do your homework. You know everything you can know about the company and the person who's interviewing you. Look at their LinkedIn page if you can. You know, found LinkedIn. Read about them um, so that you are. Uh, really prepared to have a conversation with somebody and that you've done your homework. Now, you don't want to, you know, give off a creepy stalker vibe um, that you've done too much homework, right? But it's just a good, um, you know, you don't need to be an encyclopedia, in other words. But in this, in this day and age where we have so much access to information, you know, Judson always says information is your best friend. It is. So make sure you use it. Yeah. You know, and one thing that people ask me sometimes is if I'm looking at a person that I'm going to be interviewing with on LinkedIn, should I approach it anonymously or should I let it be known that I was looking? And you might get different answers, but my take on this, and I'll ask for yours too, Jerome, but my take is let them see that you were looking because, you know, they would expect you to be doing your homework and that's included. And I don't think anybody would be offended or, you know, think it was, you know, stalker-like or anything. They would just say, okay, you're doing your due diligence. Your thoughts, Jerome? I agree 100%. Yeah. I don't see any reason to be clandestine about it. Yeah. Right. And then one other thing I was going to mention, based on what you said, knowing the company, knowing the product or the services, if it's a product in particular, Hopefully, you'll have a chance to use that product or have some firsthand experience with it. Ideally, you would have been using it all along or you have started using it. But I think that if you can get some experience with that product, it's going to help you talk about how you bring value to the company because really it's the end user that, that oftentimes is, is the focus of your product-based company. So if you can right. talk to that and say, you know, here's, here's what I've done, here's been my experience, and it's a great product, and I think that we could enhance it or bolster it in this way or that way, I think that that would be a, a wonderful addition to an informational conversation. Absolutely. So let's continue with this conversation about how to prepare. Um, 
one of the things that I offer uh, my clients is uh, a list of potential questions that they might be asked. And you can go online and you can do some Google research and you can find um, lots of practice questions for interviews. Um, but you're, want, you're going to want to anticipate the questions that they're going to ask and be prepared. The one question that they always ask you at, at the beginning of an interview is tell me a little bit about yourself. And this question is so open-ended that what happens is people start to ramble. And when I do it in practice interviews, I always ask it and I always kind of wait to see what happens. And sometimes I'll, I'll get a, you know, a response that's five, six, seven minutes long and they basically go through their entire resume with me. Um, that's too long. Uh, the research I've done says that the, a, a good answer to any question should take anywhere from 20 seconds to two minutes, but not much longer. And you always wanna leave things in a situation where they can ask a follow-up question if they want to. So you wanna keep this answer concise and you kinda of want it to be a little bit of your elevator pitch. Talk a little bit about your most recent experience, um, maybe a little bit of your educational background if it's relevant and then sort of close it by talking about how excited you are to be there today and have an opportunity to talk about this position. That's the one question you know you're going to get, and it's the one you sort of want to practice. Uh, you don't want it to come out rehearsed. Of course, you want to sound natural, but you want to have it tight. Um, do you have any thoughts on that particular question, Judson? Yeah. Well, I think the key word is little when they say, tell me a little bit about yourself, <laughs> because Absolutely. you're right. We, yeah. we do we do have a tendency to ramble on. And, you know, quite frankly, it's because we're nervous, right? And we don't know what they're right. looking for specifically. So I think that if you do have this outline, so to speak, of your elevator speech, <clears throat> ready to to really to talk about it in a way that, that sums you up well and shows how you could bring value or have brought value to your current job or your last job um, and, and, and why you're excited about this job. I think that that's a good thing to incorporate because that could serve as a segue into the next question that the interviewer may ask you. Right. I would also say one thing that would be valuable is to to go through a mock interview with a friend. Now, you know, you could do this multiple times and you may want to, but what I would suggest you do is do it on Zoom, record the call, and then you could go back and listen and look. Not only listen for what you're saying, but look at your body language and what that could be saying. So pretend it is a true in-person interview or a virtual one, but we need to be aware of our body language um, in that. <clears throat> so I think that that's important too. Um, yeah. It, you're right though. It's funny because you can pretty much expect to hear that question. It, it's, oh, yeah. It's yeah. a good leading it's, question. It's the icebreaker question, right? And, and people always, you know, when I ask it, they're like, oh, do they want to know about my personal life? You know, and it, it's never that. Um, you might talk a little bit about something personal if you want, just to kind of establish rapport, but I don't want to know how many kids you have or any of that sort of stuff. I want to, right. it's a professional interview, so I want to know 
it's really how you start to position yourself in the interview. So it's that elevator pitch, and that's really important. Um, let's kind of carry on with this. Uh, we're sort of talking about before the interview. So we've talked about things like arriving early. Um, as as people are preparing for the the interview, the, the days, you know, the night before, um, you know, we want to make sure that whatever we're going to be wearing um, is appropriate, that you've taken the time to um, press the outfit, make sure it looks great. Um, I often have told my um, clients, you know, if if they're going to a professional interview and they're wearing a suit and maybe they don't wear that suit often, um, to put it on and get used to being in it because there's something really strange about wearing clothes that we're not used to wearing. And you don't want to sit in that interview feeling like you're wearing somebody else's clothes. So, right. you know, and make sure that make sure it still fits. <laughs> make sure it fits. Yeah. Don't get up the next morning to go to the interview and realize, Oh, Oh, this doesn't fit or there's a stain on it. Right. Or whatever. Right. So prepare those things well in advance. You know, if you're not used to dressing that way, try it on be in it, wear it for the mock interview. So you get used to being in that. Um, in terms of dress code, I always say one step above what you're going to be wearing on the job. So if you're going to a tech company and it's very, very casual and you wear shorts and flip-flops and t-shirts, don't show up in the interview there in that, but you don't want to wear a suit to that interview. You'll, it's totally, you know, incongruent with the sort of position you're going to be in. So business casual for that khakis, nice shirt with a collar, something, you know, pretty casual, but, but business oriented. If the dress code is business casual, then you show up in slacks and a tie for guys, a skirt um, and a jacket for women, something that's one step above. And then if it's a corporate interview, you suit up always, but be prepared with that. Um, and then um, in terms of nerves, we all get nervous and, uh, and we can sort of um, do some creative visualization to help us uh, get past the nerves. So here's a sort of a side story of, of my life. I was a music major in college, and I had horrible, horrible, horrible performance anxiety. And I would get to recitals, have my piece memorized, sit down to play, start and forget. And it was really a, a, something I had to get past. And I was preparing my senior recital, which was about 45 minutes of music, all memorized. And my piano teacher took me through creative visualization exercises. And she said to do them every night before I went to bed. And it helped immensely. And what you do is you basically, as you're going to bed or in a quiet moment, you close your eyes and you see yourself at that interview doing a really, really good job and feeling good about it so that, so that you don't practice anxiety before you get there. Because so many of us are nervous about these things, and every time we think about them, we think, oh, I'm going to be so nervous. And that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you can just sort of sit down and think about, and, I, and what my piano teacher said was, Jerome, every night before you go to bed, I want you to think about a time when you played beautifully. Like you felt really good about it. And she said, and just run that tape in your mind and feel that energy. And, and it was really, really beneficial. And so that's the thing too. So think about a time when you interviewed really, really well and take that energy and just work and, and feel that same energy when you're thinking about this, this new interview, especially if it's one that you're really excited about and really want to do well on. 
you know, don't practice being nervous. Don't plant that seed. Right. Um, yeah, no, that's a really good thought. Sort of that about initial preparation. Yeah, well, you know, I think a couple things, you know, on the anxiety side, of course, it's, you know, that's going to be part of it, but that's okay. That, that can be a good energy uh, as well. But I think, you know, just like it, most things, preparation is key. If you've done your homework and you got this down and you've done your mock interviews and you have, you know, talking points, bullet points to the variety of questions they'll be asking you, you're ready and, and you're going to be good to go. Um, I would also and, say, and, you know, from a, um, go ahead. No, well, I was just going to say one more thing about being nervous too. So if you're, so now it's the day of the interview and you're sitting there and you're feeling nervous, right? And you feel it bubbling up. I have coached my clients to say, you know, at maybe in the middle of, maybe it's the first couple of questions and they're feeling nervous to admit it just to say, forgive me. I'm, I'm a little nervous because this, this job interview is really important to me. And, and I mean, you don't say it like, like you're going to freak out, like you're on the verge of a panic attack, of course, right? You don't want right. to, it's not like that, but you just, you know, just own it. You know, I'm sorry. I'm just a little nervous because I'm really, I'm so excited about this job and it's really important to me. Once you sort of put it out there, it goes away. It just goes away yeah. because the interviewer is going to be like, oh, I get it. I'm nervous. You know, we all get nervous. And then it's like, oh, okay. Then you can relax. Sometimes right. when you acknowledge it, it just sort of takes the, the pressure off. So, Right. Um, well, and so, one last thing on that, um, just from a mindset perspective, you know, yeah. oftentimes people go into interviews and, and they're nervous because they're, they're, they get shy about it or, you know, they're like, oh, please hire me, please hire me. And, you know, right. that's not really what the interview is about. Keep in mind that you are interviewing them as well. And I think right. that if you can take a little bit of that control um, within the situation, that will help uh, mitigate some of the anxiety as well. Yeah. I, one more thing about framing. I'm glad you mentioned that because here's the other thing that my piano teacher said to me, um, and I've never forgotten it, and I've applied this to job interviews too. What she said was, everybody who's there, Jerome, wants to hear you play well. They're on your team. They're on your side. Yep. It's not like they're waiting to see you fail. And I've said that to clients before, uh, interviews. The interviewer wants you to do well. They're wanting to fill this position, and I think you're a, a candidate who can do well for them. So it's not a test. They're not going to ask you questions to see if they can trip you up and make you more nervous. It's, it's not that. They want, they want you to do well because they want to fill this position. And so I think it's all about reframing, for sure, because I think we often go in thinking, oh, I have to give them the right answer and they're going to ask me, you know, like uh, it's a test. It's not, it's, it's a blind date. It's a conversation. It's we're trying to see if there's mutual interest. And as Judson uh, pointed out, which is really important, you're interviewing them as well. And so you can kind of relax and they've looked at your resume. They know you're a potential fit for the, for the position. So they're just confirming information. So let it just be that. Right. And, and just to expand on what you just said, the last point, the fact that you are there says that they have confidence in you and that you are a good candidate. So just rest assured in that fact, knowing that they have selected you because of what they've seen and heard so far. So you have, yeah. you have a lot to be positive about. 
So just just keep thinking those thoughts and, and don't let your mind get in your way. Right. No company gives you an interview just to be nice. Right. You know, don't have time. <laughs> right. Nope. Right. Absolutely not. Okay. So are you ready right. to move on to the topic of what to do during the interview? Sure. Let's talk about the the interview itself and what to do and maybe what not to do um, as it relates to that. You want to lead our first points around? Sure. So, of course, um, you know, just some etiquette things. Um, you walk into the, the space, um, just a few things. You want to make sure you have a firm handshake. Um, practice your handshake. Um, I've coached clients, and, and um, I can think of one in particular, um, a, a woman whose handshake was a little bit kind of floppy. And, and I had to tell her, I, and, I, and we practiced. I said, I said, you know what, I love you. You've got great energy, but your handshake is weak. And she said, oh, really? I said, yeah. And I said, let's practice. And it's web to web, right? The web of your thumb and your, and your first finger, web to web. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure. And, and um, you know, if you're a gentleman and you're interviewing with a woman, don't, don't be too firm that you break her fingers. But it needs to be confident and firm. So practice that. Make sure you're making eye contact and smiling. And then wait to be seated. Wait to the, ask them to take a seat. Uh, it, and, you know, of course, you don't want to stand if they don't. But typically, they're going to say, you know, have a seat and let's talk. Um, uh, you arrive, you want to make sure you have really nice, perfect copies of your resume. Um, proofread. I remember sitting in an interview and looking down at my resume and seeing that I had added an S to the word school, and it said middle school, and it should have just said middle school, and I almost had a panic attack because <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, oh, please don't notice that. So do that ahead of time. And I'm a resume writer, so now I, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen ever <laughs> again. But make sure it's perfect. It's on nice paper. Make sure you have multiple copies so you can hand them to each person who's interviewing you and have a copy for yourself. Um, so, uh, you know, that you're going to – sit down and now we're having a conversation and that's what you want to try to do keep the energy conversational now you're probably going to be speaking 75 percent of the time and they'll probably be speaking 25 percent of the time because of um just the nature of them asking you questions uh but try to keep it you know light and conversational and what i mean by that is don't start when i practice interviewing with people you know uh We'll we'll have a conversation sort of like you and I are right now, Justin, right? And mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, let's practice, start practicing the interview. And then suddenly it's like they flip a switch and they become somebody entirely different. And and you can tell that they're trying to make their answers sound more eloquent or, uh, you know, just very polished. And um, and then I'll sometimes stop them and say, wait a second. Okay, what what do you want to say? What are you trying to say? And they'll, they'll tell me what they're trying to say. And I'll be like, just say that. Don't package your answers in some sort of fluffy, elevated speech. Just give your best. And your best answer is always the most organic answer, the answer that's honest for you. That's always the best answer. So don't try to play this game of trying to figure out what they want you to say and say that. Say what, say what your best answer is. Um, yeah. Uh, any any initial thoughts before we kind of go into some some more um, critical things here, Judson? No, I think that we've covered it. You know, as far as the anxiety and how to overcome that, and 
And in terms yeah. of just being yourself, it's so easy to say, well, just be yourself. But, you know, I mean, who else is better qualified than you to do right. that? Role, right. Right. So, no, yep. I think that you covered it well, Jerome. Yeah. So let's prepare. You want to prepare for tough interview questions. And some of the ones that I like to ask um, clients are um, when, I'm, when I'm coaching them, one of my favorites is how long will you stay with us? And it's a tricky question, right? And um, and I'll just give you the – so a lot of times people say, oh, I'm looking for a company. I want to be here long term, and, and, you know, I want to potentially, you know, move up the ladder and retire, right? Um, not necessarily the best answer. The best answer, and here's sort of the focus of all, any question they ask you is always about them, right? It's always about them. So how long will you stay with us? The answer is – as long as I feel like I'm making a valuable contribution to the company and you're pleased with my performance and it's a mutual uh, win-win, as long as I'm making those contributions and I'm feeling like I'm being challenged and, and um, advancing in my career, uh, then I can see this being a long-term situation. Um, so That's a great so, answer. Yeah, so the flip is I'm here to make contributions to the success of What do you look for in a job? I'm looking for an opportunity to be a part of a team um, that I feel comfortable working with and where we're making really great contributions to the success of a company like Facebook, right? The question was, what do you look for in a job? But it's not about you. It's about them. I want to make valuable contributions. I want to be a part of something big um, and, of course, be compensated, right? So that's the flip side. But always start out with what you can do for them, um, yeah, so be prepared for those tough questions. Throughout the interview, you want to leverage what I call the three keys. And here's what those keys are. Key number one is your knowledge, your skills, and your abilities. So that's the, the fact that you have the technical skills to do the job. You have the, the right mindset, the right um, soft skills to do the job. So that's the first one, the training that you, you know how to technically um, you, you can meet the functions, the essential job functions. The second is your record of success. So not only can you do the job, but you've been successful doing similar things. And then the third key is your work ethic. You're somebody who shows up on time, who takes pride in your work, who works longer hours if you need to, um, but and somebody who is going to give 110%. So throughout the interview, you want to make sure you're talking about those things. Uh, anything to add just, there, Justin? Well, I was just going to say, do you want to just reiterate those for people who are taking notes, the three of them? Yeah, so the three keys. The first is the knowledge, skills, and abilities. In human resources speak, we call them the KSAs. Um, and so the, the knowledge, skills, and abilities, you're going to look at the job description, and you're going to see what the key skills are and what the core functions are. And throughout the interview, you want to speak to the fact that you have the skills to meet those core functions. The second is your record of success. How did you increase revenues? How did you save money? How did you, what projects did you, were you a part of? What products did you help launch? And then third, your work ethic. You show up on time. You do what you're supposed to do. Uh, you have integrity when it comes to meeting deadlines, uh, those kinds of things. So throughout the interview, you want to talk about those things. Um, and you'll have plenty of time with questions to, you know, to speak about this. And so throughout the interview, you want to make sure you're doing that. Um, 
And then you want to pay attention to the arc of the interview during the interview. Um, so as the interview is progressing, there may be a time when the language of the interviewer starts to change a little bit, and they start to talk about, oh, this will be your office, or you'll be reporting to so-and-so, or, uh, you know, you'll be working on this particular project, right? And so now they're using language that makes it seem like you've already got the job. So that's the point at which you sort of want to start leveraging the interview and, um, and really uh, closing. And oftentimes, you can even add, again, so you're, you're speaking with somebody at Facebook. That's where you want to work. So you could say, at a company like Facebook, I would like to blah, 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 right? So you say, oh, you know, as your product manager, I can see myself doing this, this, and this, right? So you also are using language where you're talking about yourself as if you're already in the role. Um, and then just a few, two last-minute things. Um, there's a mirroring technique um, that you can use that can help sort of close the deal. This, take, this is sort of like uh, advanced interviewing, so don't feel like you have to do it, but it can be helpful if, you're, if you feel comfortable. People tend to, inter or to hire people who are like them, right? We like people who are like us. So if you see um, a particular posture or um, if somebody who is speaking, they use their hands and gesture a lot, right, you might do a little bit of that yourself. Now, you don't want to do monkey see, monkey do. You don't want to, you know, copy them exactly, but you sort of start to take on their, their posture. If they lean forward, you know, occasionally you're going to lean forward. That's sort of the body language thing. And then in terms of language, mirror their language. But again, don't parrot it back to them right away. But listen to, pick up cues on, how, on what they talk about and then bring the, that language into your answers if you can. For instance, if they say, you know, we have a team of, of go-getters here and blah, 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 right? And then at some point in the answer, in another answer, you might say, you know, I see myself as a real go-getter, right? So you've just used their language back to them. It takes some practice to do that, and that might be something you'll do in practicing a mock interview. Um, but, you know, if you're somebody who's interviewing, um, you know, uh, quite a bit, or maybe you're kind of at that point in your career where you're really making some advancement, you know, these are th and you've interviewed a lot, these are things that you can kind of do to up-level your game in terms of interviewing. Um, comments or, or ideas, Judson? Um, no, I mean, it's pretty comprehensive what you said. Um, I think the mirroring technique can be effective, but I think, like you said, in a couple of different ways, make sure that it's not obvious and you're not just mimicking. I think that right, that's a really right. important com component to it. So just use your common sense, you know, and, and you know, <clears throat> you have it. And, you know, you've obviously demonstrated it, and that's why you're sitting in that chair for the interview. Right, so. right, <clears throat> right. Well, and it's something we sometimes do naturally, um, so it doesn't have to uh, be um, super obvious. But, you know, like if you hang out with a group of friends and you have different kinds of friends, you sometimes the way you behave with one friend is different than you behave with another friend. And it's mm -hmm. because you're taking cues from how they are, Right. And right. so um, 
so that's sort of uh, one of the things just to sort of be aware of. And I think this is really kind of interesting too. And one of the things you wanted to talk about, um, Judson, was if you're interviewing for a position within your company, like it's an, uh, a promotion, you know, potentially then you've been around these people. And so you kind of know their style. And so you can sort of leverage that a little bit too. Um, you know, that, that whole mirroring thing, because you're meeting with somebody that you already know and you kind of know what they're looking for, their, their personality. Um, and that the other thing too is energy wise, matching the energy. <clears throat> so if you're meeting with somebody who is somewhat reserved and you're very high energy, you might want to tone it down a bit, right? So that you're not overwhelming to somebody who's a little bit quieter, quieter and reserved. So that's also yeah. important. And then if you're with somebody who's super high energy and you're not, you might want to ramp it up a bit, right? So that is also, it's all about establishing rapport, which is critical. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, should we talk a little bit about the types of interviews, Judson? Yeah, because there are a, d- a number of different types of interviews. And, and I would say first out of the gate here is if, if able and when able, understand their interviewing styles or, or format. Right. You can't always get it, but there are a number of different ones here. And we, can, we will talk about a few of those here, starting with behavioral interviews. That seems to be the most common. And this, we'll go a little more deeper on, on, on this, but behavioral interviews are, are obviously based on, on behave, past behaviors. And oftentimes they'll say, well, tell me about a time when you this or that. And this is where you want to look up those questions on, on, on Google or wherever you look for it and, and, and practice them. And just, you know, I mean, think about an answer. You don't have to, like you said, don't have it down rote because <clears throat> you don't want it to sound practiced. But at the same time, I think that if you can you know, have some talking points in your head um, and, and have this sound very conversational, it, it's, a, it's a time to shine. It really is because they're saying, you know, they want to see how did you perform before and how is that going to translate into how do you perform now? And I, I loved what you said earlier, Jerome, in terms of all the questions that they ask for the most part are really about them, not about you as the interviewee. Right. And so I think if you look through that, or I should say speak through that, lens, if you will, um, I think you'll do just fine. And that's why you want to practice some of these things. And, and even, you know, wordsmith a little bit. Just write a few things down. How does this sound as it relates to how I'm going to help them and bring value to this company or this job? Right. Yep. And the, and the key to behavioral questions is usually about how you solved a problem. So in preparation for the interview, go back in time a little bit. And think about, okay, what were the problems I faced in my last job? And how did I solve them? Um, you know, uh, and, and have several scenarios to answer uh, so that you have them at the ready. Because you don't want to sit in that interview and have them ask you a question about, tell me about a time when you uh, had to um, resolve an issue with an upset client. And you can't think of anything. Right? So have mm-hmm. those questions, you know, be 
anticipate those questions and have the um, the answers ready. Um, and uh, Justin, do you want to go through with the star and par formats too? Because that's really critical for um, for answering behavioral questions. Yeah, absolutely. So the star and par you may be familiar with, but do look them up. But each one is an acronym. And the star, um, the S is for situation, and T is for the, I'm blanking on this, Jerome, task? T is tasks. And then I also saw in one it was techniques, but usually okay. tasks, techniques. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, so that would be, you know, like, like um, what what were the so the situation might be the upset uh, you know we have a, a, a an issue with a product we need to fix this product the tasks or the techniques might be okay how are we going to go you know what's our plan um, or what are the things that we need to do um, so um, the, so, so continuing on that yep, yep. <clears throat> um, and then the action you take that you took is the A in in star. And then the result. So it's yeah. it's easy to remember. And if you want to uh, remember it a different way, if you're a golfer, for example, and you want to remember par, P-A-R, Jerome, you want to run through that one real quick? Yeah, so it's very similar. P-E stands for the problem. A is the actions and R is the results. And I kind of like, I didn't know about it until you uh, mentioned it in your notes uh, this week, uh, Judson, but I like it better mm -hmm. because the situation tasks kind of, uh, go back and forth. It's like, you know, is this such a situation or is this a task or is this a technique? And techniques kind of are actions, right? So that gets yep. a little muddy. So, and I think it's easier to come up with three things than four. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, is, really, right. <laughs> is a really good. So, it's the problems, the actions, and the results. And it's just a way to frame the answer for, an, uh, for the behavioral uh, interview. Um, and behavioral interviews are really trendy right now. A lot of companies are using them. So be prepared uh, for these kinds of questions. Um, even if the whole interview isn't behavioral, you're probably going to get some behavioral questions. So here's what happens sometimes, though. Say they ask you a question and you don't have a response. <clears throat> what do you do then? Right? <laughs> so what I coach my clients to do is to talk about a hypothetical, right? Because you want them to know that you understand the question. And they're wanting to know how you're going to behave in a, super, in a, a particular situation. So what if they ask you, tell me about a time when you could not get along with your boss. And you're thinking about it, you're like, wow, I've, I've always liked my bosses. I can't, I can't think of what I would do. I've never had or you could, Or you could say, well, that's why I'm here today. <laughs> No. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> Next. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so no. So I, if that would come up, here's how I would handle it. Maybe Justin, you'd have a, a different way. But I would say, you know, I've been really fortunate because that's not a situation I've ever had to handle. Um, I've always had bosses that I really, really liked and respected. But if I think about it, if that were the situation. If I had a, a boss that I was having a difficult time getting along with, the first thing I would do is go directly to them. And I would realize that we don't have to be friends, but we have to come up with a way to, to have mutual respect for one another. So I would try to have a, a conversation with them, 
a non-confrontational conversation with them and try to arrive at some sort of understanding about how we're going to move forward and be really successful in our, our work together. Um, and if that didn't work, then I might go to human resources and see if they could have somebody who could mediate a conversation so that we could end up on, on level ground and figure out ways to work with one another. Um, so that's how I would answer the question. I would just come up with a hypothetical. That's never happened to me before, but I understand what you're looking for. And you want to position yourself as somebody who doesn't get hot under the collar and who's solutions-oriented. Um, any thoughts on that, Judson? I think that, that that's great advice. I mean, it's going to the person first is always best. Right. If that fails, well, then you have to come up with an alternative. And I think HR's role in a company is, is for things like that. So I think that that's great right. advice. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, and that might be, you might get, have similar questions where you don't actually have the situations that ever come up. So just sort of talk about what you would do hypothetically if you were in that situation. That's ultimately what you want to do uh, with those uh, kinds of questions. Um, sometimes you'll be, you'll be um, in a panel interview um, where you're having, where you're interviewing with several people uh, from the company at the same time. Uh, and, um, and so in those situations, I think what's important is to sort of have an idea of who each person is and what their role is and sort of understand what their sweet spot is or what's relevant to them. So if I'm the product manager, that's what I'm interviewing for, and I'm talking with somebody in accounting, and they're asking me a question. Someone in accounting is going to be concerned about revenue. So I want to tailor my, my answers to how I'm going to help with revenues, how I'm going to be managing my budgets, right? Because that's what's important to them. Whereas somebody in um, human resources, maybe I'm leading a team as a product manager. The person in human resources is going to be concerned about me understanding um, compliance and uh, how to not get into um, situations where the company could be sued because I treat an employee unfairly. So I wanted to make sure I'm speaking about that kind of thing to the questions that they answer or that they're asking me. So as much as possible, sort of think about how does my position in, engage with this person in their role and speak to that, uh, that I understand how we need to work together. Um, any any suggestions about panel interviews, Justin? Well, no, I, I think that what you're saying, tailor your, your answer, and, and that comes, you know, put another way could be know your audience. You know, I mean, absolutely. If, if you're especially if you're a marketing person, you know this, you know the target market. But even if you're not a marketing person, you are marketing and selling yourself during these interviews. So I think that you know, if you're just mindful of the role that each person plays and what's important to them in terms of their goals and their objectives, if you can touch upon that, then what you're saying, as long as it's genuine, um, will most likely resonate with them. Right. Absolutely. And, and so the panel interview is similar to uh, what I call a day-long interview and, or a 360-degree interview. Um, the only difference would be instead of meeting with each of these people in a panel where there are like five or six people at a, at a table and you're speaking to all of them at once, 
you might have a, a day where the company invites you to spend a day with them and you're having individual conversations with maybe someone in finance and maybe someone in human resources and maybe somebody who would potentially be your colleague and then uh, perhaps the person that you're going to be reporting to. It's the same sort of situation where you're tailing your, your answers. What is most critical on those, those kinds of long days is that you maintain high energy throughout the day. Um, so make sure you get good sleep the night before, make sure you have a bottle of water so you stay hydrated. Um, make sure you turn your cell phone off. You're not going to get interrupted in the middle of conversations. Make sure people know uh, that you're busy and aren't going to be available. Um, uh, you know, um, have a, have a power bar or a protein bar or something, um, you know, available so that if you need a snack, Justin jokingly in our call, call before this said, drink Red Bull. Um, and if that's <laughs> something that you find would be helpful, you might, uh, I couldn't do, I couldn't do, uh, Red Bull because my friends already described me as a hummingbird on caffeine. And so that would be dangerous for me. So, you know, don't drink Red Bull on an interview if you've never done it before, because you don't want to, you know, suddenly, uh, turn crazy, but, um, but just be aware, um, of energy and, and, um, you know, managing those long days and they may take you to lunch. Um, so if, if they take you to lunch, uh, make sure you, you know, take some time to study etiquette in terms of if they're taking you to a restaurant, you know, just so that you're using the right fork. Um, you know, uh, don't order alcohol, even if the person who, um, invited you does, you don't, um, you know, uh, so there's, I would suggest that you maybe just read up on um, lunch interviews because there's a lot to be said about that too. Um, just remember that even though they're taking you to lunch, the interview is continuing. Um, so best foot forward, no off-color jokes, uh, make sure you, you know, have good table manners. Um, if that's something that makes you nervous, just be, you know, again, do the visualization exercises so that you, you will do okay there. Um, yep. So let's, let's talk about this detail for a moment because it, there may be an assumption built in, but if they take you to, to lunch, do we assume that, that they will pay for it? Do you make a gesture to say, well, you know, let me pay? And this is probably more of an opinion thing, but I mean, what's your opinion on that? Should you reach for your wallet or your purse? Ah, yeah, that's a tricky question. Um, I think I would do whatever I would do um, if if a friend invited me, <clears throat> excuse me, to lunch um, or my boss, right? Um, so, of, of course, they're probably going to pay, but you don't want to make that assumption. And so um, I wouldn't assume that I'm going to pay for it, the entire um, amount, right? You're not going to take right. them because they invited you. Um, right. But I would probably reach, just being a gentleman, I would reach for my wallet and say, oh, can you please, what's my share of the bill? Um, or, right. you know, um, and then if they say, no, 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 we've got it, I wouldn't do the the thing we do with friends where I'm like, no, 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 let me, you know, I insist, don't do that. They say they've got it, say, thank you very much. I really appreciate this. This has been a really kind gesture. Right. And then uh, I'm jumping yeah. ahead a little bit, but as far as the post-interview, you know, definitely reference that in your handwritten note. Yes. Hey, yes thank you absolutely. for the launch. I thank appreciate you. that. Yes. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Okay. 
right. <laughs> Didn't mean to put you on the hot seat. <laughs> no, no, no. But, no, I bet. Yeah. I, would you do anything different? Is that how, how would you handle it? Yeah, no, I, I would make the gesture because I think yeah. the gesture is what's important. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be insistent one way or the other. Yeah. You know, yeah. if they say they got it, let them go. You know, but yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the fact that, that you're going to have it. Right. Yeah. 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 I, they're most like, I, I can't think of a situation where they would offer, you know, take you to lunch and then right. not treat you. But right. Don't assume. Don't assume. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, How much so time do we have left, Jerome? You know what? I don't know. I think we're coming up pretty close to an hour. Um, uh-huh. Well, not quite. Not quite. I think we're probably, we can probably wrap this up pretty quickly. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, let's talk really quickly about closing the interview and then a little bit about follow-up. Are you cool with that? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Um, so at the end of the interview, they're going to ask you if you have any questions. And the kiss of death is this. No, I don't have any questions. Uh, you've, you've answered all my questions for me. They will not hire you. Absolutely will not hire you because you don't seem like you're interested in the job. It's like a blind date, right? So on the on a blind date, if the if your date is asking you questions about yourself and you never ask them a question like what's your favorite movie, they they're they're not interested because you need to be interested in them. So ask two or three thoughtful questions. Um, things like. Um, what are you looking for in a successful candidate or um, what's, uh, what product or service are you most excited about launching this year? Um, uh, tell me uh, what's the key problem I'd be called in to solve in this role. Thoughtful questions, not, you know, I, I can't even think of one that wouldn't be super thoughtful at the time, but um, do you have any suggestions for kinds of questions to ask Judson? Yeah. Um, one one question, if you don't know it already, is how do you measure the success of this position? Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll yep. open up a, a, a whole new conversation potentially, right. but at least right. you understand what their expectations are and how they're going to measure that, whether it be KPIs or otherwise. <clears throat> but knowing, you know, where the bar is, so to speak, um, on that is, is a good yeah. one. And then yep. um, I've heard other people say uh, something to the effect of, is there anything that you have, trying to think of how this can best be worded, but is there anything that you've seen or not seen that, that would, hmm. I'm kind of struggling on the, on the verbiage here, um, but. I think you're are you talking you, about the power, what I call my power question. It could very well be. Why don't you go ahead with that? Yeah, so my power question is, and you only ask this question um, if you're feeling like things are going really well. So you want to you be careful because it can take it to a negative place, right, really quickly if, if the interview has been not going well. But my power question is, what would be your concerns with hiring me for this position? Is that sort of what you were after? Yeah, yeah, that was far more terse than I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, that, and that might be a little bit, and I've asked it in just that way. Or you might say, um, is there anything uh, that uh, would make you hesitant to hire me for this position or something like that? But I'm a little bit direct. I would say, 
you know, what might be some concerns you'd have with hiring me for this position? It's a powerful question, but I like it because it allows you to do a few things. Number one, you get in their head right away. You know whether or not you're being considered, right? Because they're going to, you know, they'll let you know. Secondly, you can address anything that's a concern. So maybe they say, oh, we're looking for somebody who has more experience with digital marketing. Or, or maybe it's something that you didn't even have a chance to speak about. So then you can say, oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Let me tell you, here's what I've done in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives you that opportunity. And then if, if there's something that they bring up that you don't have, you don't have a skill about, um, you, can, uh, you can sort of leverage your lack of experience as a strength. You might say something like, you know, you're right. I have not done that a lot. Or I, I'm familiar with that, but I, that's not an experience I have. But this is really an opportunity for you to groom me um, into the the employee that you really want, because I don't have any preconceived notions about how to, you know, how to drive strategy. I don't have any preconceived notions about how this is done. So this is your opportunity to, to mold me and groom me. Um, but it's I think it's a very powerful uh, question to ask. However you phrase it, it's sort of the same question about. The same question is, what are you looking for in the successful candidate? But a little bit, you know, like, tell me. Sometimes uh, someone might say, um, you know, um, how would you rate my candidacy? What what would you say is missing from my um, my profile as an employee, potential employee? Something to that effect. Right. Um, well, I guess part of me is – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I was going to ask your your uh, suggestions or insight. Yeah, no, I I think that those those are really good questions, and you do need to have some questions. So look those up and and craft them, write them down, have them, you know, right. ready to go. Um, <clears throat> but I guess what I was thinking too is how how could we keep it positive, as opposed to what did right. you not see or what did you see that you like as a candidate? Any any right ad- advice on that? Yeah, I I like the yeah I I can see the the, the um uh I I can see potential for asking the question either way, but maybe what I like about the um asking concerns is because it shows that you're open to constructive feedback as well, mm-hmm. and and maybe that's how you even frame it. You you might say you know I'm somebody who's really open to constructive feedback and really about learning and, you know, this learning and sort of understanding how I can uh, improve um, as a professional. So in light of that, is there anything that, that might be a concern with my, my background in hiring me for this position? Um, yeah. And, and yeah. I, yeah, and I don't know how you say it, you know, it's something, and I think it all sort of depends on who you are. Like I'm, I'm okay with saying that myself and I've asked it on, in, on an interview. Um, uh, the last time I interviewed for a, a job, which was my staffing position, um, I asked that question and it took the, the interviewer sort of taken aback by it. Um, and what she said to me was, she said, you know, we've never hired, usually when people come to staffing, we're, we're looking for people who've worked in the, the field before and who have who come with a book of business. Um, and you don't have that. You, you're formerly a teacher. And then she said, but we've had teachers who have also been very successful. Um, so uh, 
so it was interesting because she wasn't prepared for me to ask that question. Um, and again, then we were able to sort of talk about my background and how I would build my book of business since I wasn't bringing one with me. Um, and, and ultimately, I ended up getting the job. So, uh, so it can be a powerful question. Um, yeah. let's, talk, let's talk about closing the interview because I think this is critical. This is how I coach my clients, and I want your feedback on this, uh, Judson. So I always tell my um, – I ask my clients when I'm doing a mock interview, so tell me how you end the interview. And they'll say, oh, they say something like, oh, thank you so much for your time. It's been nice meeting you. It's great learning more about the company. I said, okay, great. I coach my clients to ask for the job, which is can make people a little bit nervous, uh, but you want to do it in a way that's organic. So here's my close. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak with me. I'm really excited about this position at Google. I think I'd be a really great candidate for this, this role. I would love to come to work for you. When will you be making a decision? Okay. Then they say something about, well, we have a few more candidates to, uh, to interview, and then we'll be scheduling second interviews. Then you say something like this. That's excellent. I would really love to have a second interview. Is it possible that we could schedule that second interview before I leave today? Of course, they're going to say no. <laughs> We're not sure we're bringing forward. Then you say, I totally understand. What's the best way for me to follow up with you? Should I, can I follow up with you via email or should I make a phone call? Um, and then you get your answer and then you follow up. What I like about positioning yourself that way, first of all, you're planning in, in their mind the assumption that you're going to be the candidate that's moving forward or one of the ones that is moving forward. But it also is sort of um, proactive and confident. Now, you know, this is something you kind of want to practice and you sort of have to feel out in the interview. Now, you certainly don't say this if you're not interested in the position, right? But if you are, I think it's really powerful to close by asking for the job in some way. What are your thoughts, Judson? Well, I think that absolutely, you know, the questions that you ask are going to be revealing information that's going to help you understand where they are in their mind in this process. And I think anytime you can get insight to that is, is going to be very valuable. And I guess I see it as a, you know, from a marketing perspective, the CTA, the call to action, mm -hmm. what is the next step? And, right. you know, you might even ask, what are the next steps here? And I have a, just a personal story very quickly here. Um, I was interviewing for a job and they had said, well, next step for us is to, to you know, get you back in here and have you meet with so-and-so and so-and-so. And, -so. and I did exactly what you said. I said, well, you know, let me get out my calendar and maybe we'll just schedule it now. And we did. Yeah. And I ended up getting the job. And what I later heard back, uh, I got some, some feedback, was that that was a big plus for me in terms mm -hmm. of making things happen. Right. You're not just going to let it float out there and say, well, let's see what happens. No, let's make something happen. And, right. and yep. so I think that anytime you can, you know, address the next step and maybe influence the next step, mm -hmm. I think the better off you're going to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Follow-up is critical throughout this process too, right? Um, mm -hmm. And the other thing is, so say you've done all that, maybe you've gone to several rounds of interviews, and ultimately you're not the candidate, but it's the company you really want to work for. You're not the candidate, they move forward with somebody else. Great. 
I say in 30 to 60 days, you follow up with the person you interviewed with and you say something to this effect in an email. Um, it was really nice meeting you a couple of months ago. I hope the candidate um, that you hired uh, is, has been a really great fit and things are really working out. I'd be really interested in, in other roles at the company, right? The reason you reach out and you, and you mention, you know, I interviewed, I wasn't ultimately the choice. I hope your candidate really worked out, blah, blah, blah. I'm still interested. Sometimes that person doesn't work out in the first 30 days, first 60 days. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes the company thinks you've moved on and they may not reach back out to you. But if you open the door for that, they very well might say, as a matter of fact, the position's open again. Are you still interested? Um, it was something I learned when we were in, when I was in staffing um, because, uh, you know, we would do direct hire positions and we would sometimes not fill the position and we always circle back to see if the candidate that hired was good. Um, because if not, we could maybe get our candidate in. Um, and again, it's, you know, part of this is just sort of continuing to build your network. Um, any thoughts there? No, I would give that same advice. Uh, just keep yeah. in touch with people because, you know, not, not everything works out like you said. And, yeah. um, you know, as far as connecting with, with that person on LinkedIn, knowing mm-hmm. you didn't get the job, um, just so there's a sidebar. Would you, would you advise someone to connect with someone on LinkedIn before the interview even, during the interview process, um, after? I would, at, some, at some point during the interview process, I would, I would connect on LinkedIn. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah. And maybe even after the, maybe after the initial interview. You know, if that initial interview went really, really well, mm-hmm. um, you might at that point reach out. Um, yeah. I, I would say the yeah. only reason not to would be is if, you know, if the interview went very, very poorly and you yeah. didn't feel like there was any sort of rapport at all, um, then I, I would say no. Um, be sure to write follow-up um, thank yous. I always suggest you do two things. One is an email because that's immediate. Um, and then the, e- the email can be kind of short and sweet, something to the effect of, it was really great meeting with you. I'm really excited about this position. If you have need for any further information or if you want me to clarify anything we sp- spoke about, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. And then you do a handwritten uh, thank you card as well and uh, mail that because it's just a nice touch. And again, as Justin said, if they took you to lunch, make sure you mention that and thank them for that. Um, and in that uh, thank you note, uh, the handwritten thank you note, you might mention one or two things that um, that kind of stood out from the interview. Um, and I would do both. Um, one, it was interesting because I spoke with one of my coaching clients who actually interviewed uh, people herself. And, um, and we talked about handwritten thank you notes. And she said she had interviewed a candidate who had written a handwritten thank you note but hadn't done the follow-up email. And it took a few days for the handwritten note to come. And mm-hmm. she and the, the woman who was my client who had interviewed her had felt that maybe she forgot to thank her because she didn't get the email. So most people are going to expect the email, so make sure you do that. I like a thank you note because I just think it's an extra nice little touch. And something tangible, too. So they put it on a bulletin board or on their desk. And every time they see it, they have an opportunity to remember you. And I think that's uh, a good 
um, a good thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm a big fan of thank you notes, handwritten notes. And a yeah. lot of it is because people don't do that anymore, and that's why it has yeah. such a big impact. And, right. Um, right. And I also think that it can say a lot about you in terms of how you will be, you know, are you a, a good fit with the culture of that organization? Right. Uh, and especially, for example, if this is a customer service job and you're mm-hmm. interacting with customers, I mean, you know, you have internal customers and external customers. So this right. this could be a... I wouldn't say a harbinger necessarily, but at least a reflection of how you are with other people and of uh, an example of your soft skills. Yep, yep, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Okay. Well, very okay. good. I know that we're we're pretty much out of time here, Jerome, but yeah, um, we've, we've covered, covered a, lot. a lot of ground. <laughs> we really did. So what we'll ask of you is if, if there's something that we covered here and you're thinking, gee, I wish you would have gone deeper on that, um, there is a way you can connect with us, and we're always looking for for input and feedback from you folks in terms of what we're saying. And if you disagree with us, you know, send us a note because you know we're interested in all perspectives. So we'd definitely love to hear from you, and especially um, along the lines of here's what I would really like to hear about topically. We're very open to that. You know, there's 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 a lot we can talk about and that we do talk about. But we want to tailor this the best we can to our listeners. So you, as our listeners, please reach out to us. And Jerome will give you that information as far as the email address. But do reach out. Let us know what you're thinking, how we're doing, how we could make this better. Any kind of feedback that you have for us, we would certainly appreciate. Jerome? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so if you want to send us an email, again, the email address is uplevelcareers at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be on Facebook shortly, so that will be another way to engage with us as well. Uh, we're really excited to let you all know that this podcast has been picked up by iHeartRadio, so you can now listen to us on that platform. You can also subscribe to the uh, podcast through iTunes, Google Play Music. We're on Spotify. Uh, we're on uh, – uh, is that it? Podbean. Um, a number of different platforms. So um, if you found us on iTunes or Google Play or any platform, you can really help us out by subscribing to the podcast so you get um, notified every time we we drop a, a new episode. Uh, but also, uh, if you if you review the podcast in the in that platform, that helps us as well. And be sure to share uh, our inf- our information with. Um, with your friends, let other people know about what we're doing. Uh, very quickly, you can find me at theresumeshopinc.com or email me at resumeshopinc at gmail.com. Judson. Okay, thank you, Jerome. And I can be reached at Judson, J-U-D-S-O-N, at careerpathstrategies.com. And... Uh, hopefully you'll tune in next week because next week we're taking a progression from the interview, uh, or at least an extension, and we're going to talk about negotiation, not only for jobs but for for compensation because there's a, there, there's a great deal of flexibility within negotiation, things you can talk about if you're thinking, okay, I need this amount of money, but if I can't get that, what are my options? Jerome, you want to say a little bit more about 
next week? No, that's actually a very good uh, lead-in. So I think negotiation is one of the the trickiest um, things to to handle um, in this process, and it's the most black and white. And so we'll we'll be sharing our insights into that next week and uh, or yeah in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate your being here with us. Thank you, everybody, and stay safe.